Welcome to the law firm of Davis and Davis. We're not a real law firm. Go ahead, grab a beer, a glass of wine, sit back and listen. Honestly, say probably the best song he has ever created. I, I have a little note about this. I have to what is your note? Uh, Purple Rain is truly his magnum opus. Uh, he was at the height of his creative career. He had all the control. Uh, if you want to take away all the hit songs from that album and just listen to listen to the rest of the album to see how good he really was and how good that whole album really was, uh, his guitar playing on that album is on equally on par with Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh, his vocals ranged from the lowest growls to the highest screams. He's got funk, heavy metal, hard rock. He's got everything in that album. It's like. When you talk about your favorite Prince album or Prince song, take Purple Rain out of the equation and then talk because it's 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 on another level with everything he's ever done. I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, but this is his Beethoven's fifth. Yes. Uh, Tchaikovsky's... Uh, Rachmaninoff. Yeah. yeah. I... I he, this really is a rock opera song. And I I was actually surprised going through the research that I did to see where it came up in in the uh in his his top 20 of songs. Now, my top 20 of songs here that that I have for Prince is actually from the UK top 40, not the American. Okay. Uh, the American top 40 was a little bit convoluted and I, I just didn't trust it. Uh, which is why I kind of went with this. Plus this one actually explained what 
band was with Prince when he uh, when he made the charts. Um, so let me start off at number one. His his number one song on the charts for longevity and placement on on its uh, ma- uh this list is is conducted by longevity okay 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 so the song that was the longest in the top 40 was 1999 little red corvette yeah i think i i think that jives with the american stuff too uh it in the UK only peaked at two. It didn't go to number one. I don't know what it did in the US market, but it stayed on the charts forever. Oh, dude, that album, I, that was the very first album I ever bought on CD. And I listened to that album over and over and that that is just a solid album from start to finish it is it's it's phenomenal now here's here's the scary thing that album came out before purple rain but in the uk it didn't come out until 1985. yeah uh and it still rocked now his his number two song on his list is purple rain uh peaked out in the uk at number six but spent almost an entire year (laughs) on the top 40 list that's uh, that's incredible like i said this was his beethoven's fifth it it was the pinnacle of his of his career yet i still sit back and i'm like there's other songs that were great oh yeah i mean yet let's take the purple rain experience out of it you go down to number four and prince and the revolution hit the charts with kiss Have you ever heard Tom Jones and the Art of Music's version of Kiss? Yes. It's it is like the it's counterpoint. Incredible. Like like Prince is up in the falsetto range, Tom Jones is all deep and growly. It's like the perfect counterpoint. I, I like I turned somebody on to that song today because I knew we're, you know, I was like, yeah, we're doing Prince and everything and, and like, have you ever heard this song? And he's a younger kid, but he he listens to like older stuff and he's like, "No, nah, I never heard it." I was like, "Put your earphones on, listen to it." He's like He's like, "Dude, that's the theme to Peter Gunn." Yeah, he was digging it. He liked it. Can you guess what number 5 on the list is? Um, wait, what were we had uh Little Red Corvette Purple Rain, what was number three again? Uh, number three was uh, XL. Number three was When Doves Cry. Oh, yeah. Uh, and number four and, uh, was Kiss. Do you know what number five was? Um, I Would Die For You? 
Mm, very good choice. But mm. let's go crazy. <laughs> let's go crazy along with Take Me With You. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because uh, when it was released in the UK, it was released as two uh, two songs uh, as one. Really? Those two together? Yeah. Yes. Huh. Uh, Funky. Uh, yeah. And honestly, okay, I keep trying to talk into my microphone and it's not working. It's <laughs> freaking hilarious. Uh, so, um, so yeah, when it was released in the UK, it came out as two out or two songs on as one, hmm. uh, and I thought that was really kind of interesting. Number six came from uh, I think this was the 1999 album Raspberry Beret. Was that 99 album or was that uh? It was Prince and the Revolution, but. I don't remember which album that was on. Raspberry Ray, wasn't that Sign of the Times, maybe? No, Sign of the Times would have been, uh, well, would it have been? I'm trying to find it here. Play in the Sunshine has been, uh, nope. We did not have enough stuff up, did we? Uh, we never do. Uh, Raspberry Beret came from Around the World in a Day, 1985. Really, yeah. man. So that was that was the beginning of the fuck Warner Brothers phase of his life. Because he, this is another example. Okay, so I was talking to the same person at work today about the Beatles yeah. and back in the USSR was a goof song. They were poking fun at the beach boys. And yet because it was the Beatles, it was such a good song. It charted like it was supposed to be just a, a poke, like a goof, but it was so good because it was the Beatles, right? That, that it hit the charts and raspberry beret was another one of those songs. It was, he wanted to write, crappy pop songs that wouldn't chart and screwed up and charted anyway so yeah yeah i i i mean i going through the dude number nine or uh, number eight is the bat dance <laughs> uh, all right all right we're not going to talk about that till you get into the girlfriend stuff. <laughs> hold, hold on. The Bat Dance peaked on the UK list at number two. <laughs> number two. <laughs> Take one guess what peaked at number one out of his whole. You'll, you'll never guess it. Uh, seven. April 1994, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Mm, okay. Debuted or peaked at number one on the UK charts by the artist formerly known as Prince. I, I have a story about that song also. Do you? I do. Talk to me. Oh, I got to find this one. 
Hold on, please. Da-da, 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 da-da. So, do you know who Kevin Smith is? Yes. Silent Bob. Yes. Brilliant director. Totally awesome director. And like okay. with Kevin Smith, everyone needs to oh, watch. Go on. God. Well, there's so many of them. And I actually got to go to the live night with Kevin Smith at EJ Thomas. It was it was great. So Kevin Smith wanted to use that song in Clerks 2. And so he called up Prince's entourage. I don't know. And, and, and uh, can I use your song? And never heard anything back. And all of a sudden, Prince, you know, the, the guys from you know, Prince called him. Is like uh, Prince is going to be on the phone with you in uh, 17 minutes. And Kevin's like, "Oh, fuck, cool, okay." <laughs> and so Prince gets on the phone. And he's like, "Yeah, I want, I want you to, I, I want you to do a, a documentary for me. I, I'm putting out this new album, and uh, I want you to do a, a documentary at Paisley Park." Um, and Kevin's like, I, "I, I, I don't, I don't know how to. Yeah, sure, when?" And <laughs> And so then he realizes he hangs up with Prince. He realizes, oh crap, I never forgot to ask, I forgot to ask him about using the songs. He calls up Prince again. He's like, hey, by the way, I'm I'm doing this this movie, Clerks 2, and uh can I can I use this song, Most Beautiful Girl in the World? He's like, no. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, I just promised to do your thing. Oh like, fuck it, I'll do the documentary anyway. Okay, so can, can, Kevin can, goes down to Paisley Park, okay? Yeah. And, and this is, if you can find all this stuff on YouTube, it's it's brilliant to listen to. This is a very, very short, short version of this. <laughs> so he's there and he's doing some stuff with, with people that, that, that listened to the Prince album. And it was, and I forget the album, but it was, it was a very religious kind of album and, and stuff like that. And they're all talking about religion and, and uh, Prince is one of the assistants comes out and whispers in Kevin Smith's ear. He goes like, yeah, yeah. Prince doesn't want you to talk about religion anymore. And Kevin's like, yeah, okay, guys, keep talking. He's like, what do you mean? He doesn't want you to talk about religion. It's like, he, he, he doesn't want to talk about religion anymore. How the fuck does he know I'm talking about religion? Like, if he doesn't want to talk about religion, he should get his ass down here. And then he looks over to the commissary and there's this thing about, you know, this was an old warehouse, blah, blah, blah. Every room in this entire compound is wired for sound so that Prince can record at any moment in any room of the place. And Kevin's like, so that means he could go to the bathroom, take a shit and record Raspberry Beret. (laughs) Cat, go away. Um, so after Kevin got there, he, he's uh, trying to film right, this stuff. He doesn't right. really want to. F- all all right. right. Hold on a second. Yes. I have something for you. Let me. Uh... No. Yes. No. About it. I know uh, you were uh, up in Minneapolis filming a documentary for Prince. Yes. That, as far as I've heard. As far as I've heard, it's never even going to see the light of day, and I just wanted to know if you'd, you know, shed a little light on that. 
Um, we were trying to get a Prince song for, for Jane Saw and Bob Strike Back for the scene where uh, Channel Elizabeth's character comes into the, the movie's restaurant. We were trying to get Prince as the most beautiful girl in the world, but we couldn't get any response back from him. And then one day, I got a call at the office, and they said, uh, Prince's office called, he wants to speak to you. And I said, holy shit, I'm going to call him back. This is Trevor in Prince's office. Uh, Prince will be calling you in 19 minutes. It sounds like they have shit well scheduled. Everybody, get away from the phone, you know? Prince is going to be calling. And the kid wants to play. I'm like, go away, Prince is calling. Phone rings again, and I hear his fucking voice. And he's just like, Kevin. And I said, Prince? Because that's his name. And, um, and he said, uh, how you doing? I said, I'm excellent, how are you? He said, very good, very good. I said, I, look, I just want to tell you, I'm a huge fan. And he goes, likewise. I said, really? He goes, oh yeah, particularly Dogma. And he's like, uh, would you like to do something together? And I said, yeah, what do you want to do? Because I'm thinking like he wants to do a musical. <laughs> and he starts talking more and more um, about spirituality, religion, faith, and it becomes very apparent over the course of a half hour that Prince is way into Jesus. So you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. What are we, what are we doing? And uh, he said, I have this thing where I'm going to debut my new album for a bunch of fans. They come to Paisley Park. We have a, a week-long event. And he's like, and, and then we're going to have listening parties where people are going to hear the album. And we're just going to have a good time. I, I want to make a movie that we can bring to the Cannes Film Festival. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, something like, kind of like a concert film, I'm saying. He's like, kind of like a concert film, but I want to do bold things. Like, I want to put up the words, Jesus Christ is the Son of God on screen and let them deal with it. So I get off the phone with him. And I was like, oh, fuck it, shit, that's fucking great. I go in and tell everyone about it. And then Mosier goes, uh, did you ask about the song for the movie? And I was like, no, fuck, I forgot. Uh, Prince, it's Kevin. Um, listen, I needed uh, to use uh, the, your song, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. I love the song. I want to put it in this one scene in the movie. And he goes, no. <laughs> I said, uh, no? He's going, yeah, I'm going to have to pass on that. He's like, you can use the time song, which he owns the publishing for. He's like, you can use the time song, but I'm going to take a pass on the other one. And I said, all right, bye. You know. <laughs> I was like, that's so fucking weird. The dude called me up and said, come out and shoot a documentary for me. And I'm like, yeah. And I call him and be like, can I have one of your songs? He's like, no. <laughs> I'm not too keen to, to go in there and, and do it. And he's like, you, won't, you know what? You'll do a great job. I have faith in you. Walks away. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm making a documentary. I don't fucking know how to make a documentary. I never made a documentary. So I go in the next day, and um, we're shooting in the atrium. And uh, everybody sits down Kent and shit. They're, they're listening to these albums oh, yeah. in other rooms in Paisley Park. And they bring him into this room called the atrium uh, with the high ceilings. And there's a big cage with doves in it. And people start coming into the room. And I would say about 20% of them, as they walk in, are like, Pause for a second. Silent Bob. This is a very cut up version. This is a much longer bit. But he has this lovely line about, the doves in the atrium and, and you can hear doves crying because the fucking things won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You know, like I was the last person they expected to see there. You know, like what the fuck is Silent Bob doing here? Is, is he a fan? Did he, why is he staying? What's with the cameras? What's going on? And I'm like, look, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> 
So I sit him down and I'm like, look, uh, we're going to talk about what you just heard. And I don't introduce myself. I'm not like, I'm Kevin Smith. I made a few movies. I'm just like, hi, we're going to talk about uh, what you just listened to and, and see where the topic takes us. And so we start talking. Everybody wants to talk about religion because that's what the album's about. It's a real theme piece. It's kind of a one story throughout the whole album. So people start getting up in arms. You know, some people are like, I think it's his best work to date. I think it's like all the promise he showed. Oh my gosh, he is so huge in this. Oh yeah, well, I I think he had, did he have a heart attack and had to lose a ton of weight because yeah. of that? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, he's big. He was that big when I saw him at EJ. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I love sexy. And, you know, it's just the next level for Prince. Like, I love all the three-minute, four-minute pop hits, but this is where he's going. This is tremendous. And then I've got other people on the side going, look, we all know Prince is Jehovah's Witness. And I'm sitting there going, Prince is a Jehovah's Witness? <laughs> Since when? Now? Because he didn't try to sell me a watchtower once. <laughs> Best line ever. <laughs> God, I love Kevin Smith. <laughs> He's going, and I just want, I printed up a bunch of facts from the internet about the Jehovah's Witness that I think Prince should read because it's very important stuff and he should know that he's being bilked and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll address that. Let's, uh, what else does everyone think? And trying to lead the discussion to where Prince wanted to go, but everyone wants to talk about religion and what they've heard in the album. And some people are incensed because uh, it's a very literal translation of the Bible. Somebody comes up behind me and says, whispers in my ear, Prince wants you to stop talking about religion. And I'm like, keep talking, keep talking. What do you mean Prince wants me to stop talking about religion? And I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if he, if he wants it to not be about, if he wants it to be something else, maybe he should get his ass down here and do something about it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, God, did he hear me say he should get his ass down here? Pause. pause. So they cut out the bit about he's looking around and saw the plaque about the whole place is wired for sound. He was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> did he hear me say that? <laughs> And he might have, because I'm sitting there talking to the person who's talking, and in the back of the room, I see Prince materialize. You know, not out of thin air, but suddenly he's there. <laughs> Everyone turns around, they're like, oh, it's Prince, and they applaud, and he comes in, sits down, and uh, starts, he's listening to the group, and letting me keep lead it, and then he starts joining in and talking. If you know anything about Prince, he's very kind of quiet, solitary, likes to stay apart from people but he starts joining in gets real into it and he's going like all right who believes that jesus is the son of god you know and half people raise their hands he's like okay everybody on this side of the room those who don't go over there he's going okay we rule our lives by this and he pulls a bible out of his back pocket and i'm like i didn't even know he had a back pocket <laughs> god i love kevin smith oh he, god he's brilliant humor. Because the outfits he fucking wears don't really lend to pockets. He's like, we're going to lead our lives according to this. Over there, you lead your lives according to what you do. So you have no laws. We have laws. Now we want your women. So we're going to go take your women. And there's nothing you can do about it. Women, come over here. There's nothing you can do about it because you don't lead your lives by this. But we can take your women. I'm sitting there going, is that what it says in the Bible? Because <laughs> if it is, I'm going back to church. And he's going through these parlor games and shit, and everyone's having a grand old time. And he's in his element, and he's real happy. And, and I was kind of pleased. You get to see a part of him that's, that, that I'd never seen before in my life and everything I've ever watched, many interviews, anytime he's done press. So one guy's sitting there going, like, I think this album is about how Prince hates white people. And I'm like, really? 
I didn't, I didn't get that at all. What makes you say that? He's like, because he's singing about the devil, how the devil stole it all. And I'm like, no, I think he's not talking about the white devil. He's talking about this devil with the fucking horns and shit. Not the, I don't think it's a race thing. Really? Race? You think so? So I go into his office, and he's sitting behind his desk, and he's uh, playing with a computer. And uh, I sit there for like a good 20 seconds, 30 seconds. He says nothing. And then he says, these are the pictures from the show last night. And he turns the computer to me, and I'm like, that's really great. Hey, we could have used you about two hours ago up in a room. Things were getting a little tense. He's like, really? And I was like, yeah, like, there was some dude upstairs who was maintaining that the, uh, you hate white people. He's like, why do you say that? I said, because he said in the album, you talk about how the devil stole the music. And, and he said, you meant the white devil. And I said, you meant this devil. And I think that's right. And he's just like, what did he say? That the white people stole the music from the black people? I was like, I, essentially, that was his argument. He goes, well, if the bra fits. Sweating balls for three hours, feeling questions, <laughs> defending your Jehovah's Witnessism, even though I know nothing about it, and you, if the bra fits? I was like, well, these people have been sitting here for three hours, they expect you to come, I'm up there, they don't want to see me anymore, and he's like, I'll go out and talk to him for ten minutes. You want to shoot it? And I said, yeah, yeah, we'll shoot it, okay. So we get out on the floor, I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, Prince, everyone goes nuts, and he sits down at the piano, and he starts talking, we start shooting, and he starts talking, and proceeds to talk for four hours. <laughs> He kind of goes out a back door and shit so he can avoid autographs and shit. And uh, I collect my stuff, and Stephanie, who was kind of my chaperone all week, wasn't even there anymore. And I said to her before she left, I was like, what do, I'm, this is the last day. What are we going to do? Am I cutting this thing? Is somebody else cutting it? She's like, they've been cutting it already. He used some of the footage at his show in St. Paul last night. I'm like, get the, really? I mean, I, I feel so useless. Like, I'm sitting around trying to maintain my composure, and stuff's being already cut? I was like, that's great, so you'll have a cut of the documentary done, like, next week. And she's like, yeah, but I wouldn't count on seeing it, really. I was like, well, why? She's like, well, frankly, a lot of this stuff never sees the light of day. And I was like, what, what do you mean, stuff never sees the light of day? She's like, I'm his producer, right? I produce 50 music videos for him. I'm like, that's awesome, which ones? And she's like, you've never seen them. And I was like, how, how have I never seen them? She's like, because they're for songs you've never heard. And I was like, well, where are they? She's like, he puts them in a ball. And I was like, for what? And she's like, I don't know. That's kind of amazing, but it's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually had transcribed some of this because I mean, I was just I was flabbergasted at the amount of music in the vault. Yeah, that I mean, you know, until all the legal battles get done we'll never hear or see or experience at all um do they have the stuff about the camel in that uh in that clip that clip was done basically when when it got to it or uh where we left off so all right so and and then and uh, maybe in the extended version of that clip, <laughs> he says, the Stephanie says, um, Kevin says, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she's like, I, I can't go in and tell him that you can't do this. She's like, fuck it. I'll go tell him. I don't care. Somebody's got to set him straight. She's like, that would be a big relief for me. And, 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 and he was like, why can't you go tell him? And she says, because Prince doesn't comprehend things like you and I do. So Prince has been living in Prince world for quite a long time. The Prince will come to us periodically at say 
3 a.m. And he'll say, it's 3 a.m. in Minnesota. I need a camel. Go get it. And we try to explain to Prince that it's 3 a.m. in Minnesota in January and you want a camel. It's not physically possible. And Prince is like, why? It's snowing. But Prince will say, why? And Kevin says, is he being an asshole? And he says, no, no, he's not malicious. He just doesn't understand why someone can't process a simple request like a camel at three in the morning in Minnesota. That's just the way he was. It's like, uh, why can't I have a camel? It's it's only 3 a.m. in Minnesota in January. <laughs> yeah, she, she had produced 50 music videos, and they're all in the vault. Full production crew, full cast. I mean, like, you could throw them on MTV at any moment, and we'll never see them. That, that's really kind of an amazing thing that, that Kevin Smith was talking about, but... The fact is, is that he's got a ton of music sitting in that vault that has never been heard. Yep. And it's still there. I I could see Prince albums being put out for the next 50 years and could... never go through everything that he has saved. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that, I think that was the number that there were. You could do one Prince album a year for the next fifty years. Yes, I um, actually took that from the website. Yeah, uh, according to USA Today, as of uh, April twenty first and twenty nineteen, the army of lawyers uh, that had been wrangling for three years since then, they're trying to figure out the value and how to share all this stuff. Um, there was there were a bunch of tax bills to be taken into account. The heirs were clashing with the state's administrators. Uh, the precise value of the state was at one point somewhere between two hundred and three hundred million, but that was unclear. So, yeah, the, uh, a lot of the problems that they were having with uh, figuring out what the estate was worth is that in the vault there are fifty years of records. Yeah. 39 studio albums and that that's beyond the scope of what they can figure out it, it, nobody can tell what it's worth yeah because and, as it sits right now it's worth this but if you released all these few thousand songs what's that worth and and what what prince was really smart about before he died, in his will, all of that stuff went to the estate. Yeah. So Paisley Park owns all of those records. That's, in a way, it's a great thing because Paisley Park will be a museum for the rest of its life. Uh, you and I will not see Paisley Park torn up, torn down. No, no, it will it will be there for decades. Uh, and, and that's that's a good thing. Now there's some sad fact. I mean, we know that Prince died at Paisley Park. Um, from what I'm hearing, the tours do not do not enter the areas that 
that Prince, Prince was found in the elevator. You can't go there. No. I think that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to. God, I, I I sit back and I say I don't want to get into how he died. But well, the, I, the the dude had been jumping off of twenty foot high <laughs> stacks of amps onto a stage floor for years during a show. Uh, it, he beat himself to death, and he didn't sleep a lot. Like, like if you read in, you, I'm sure you've read a ton of the reviews. This guy didn't sleep a ton. I mean, he was burning himself. He was burning the candle at both ends for his whole life. So yeah. mentally, physically, emotionally, I mean, he was just going as fast as he possibly could. It was insane. Um, all right. I got one little other tidbit. I'm going to leave everything up to you. Did you, did you ever hear about the promotional tip that they took from Willy Wonka? No. In 2006, Universal hid 14 purple tickets, seven in the U.S., and seven internationally inside Prince's album, 3121. Any fan who found a purple ticket were invited to attend a private performance at Prince's Los Angeles home. You've got to be kidding me. No. 14 fucking people at a concert at his house. That's freaking great. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, we got to take a break? We have to take a break, and then we're going to come back and go over. Are you ready for this? Yes. All the girlfriends? All the... Well, actually, before we go into the girlfriends, we're going to go into all the songs that Prince wrote for, for other people. Other artists. Awesome. That's a, that's a good list. So we are looking forward to that. Hey, wait. That, nope, nope, nope. Oh, good one there, yeah. Go out of this section. I can disguise the pounding of my heart. With a great song. It beats so strong. Sweet. Take me with you guys. It's in your eyes. What can I say? They turn me on. I don't care where we go. She was a sex fiend I met her in a hotel 
hotel lobby masturbating with the magazine She said, how'd you like to waste some time And I could not resist when I saw little Nicky grind I don't know why. She took me to her castle and I just couldn't believe my eyes. I don't know why I love this song so much. It's smooth and crunchy. It's like peanut butter should be. God, yes. What a great analogy. It should be smooth and crunchy. There's your perfect fusion of heavy metal, funk, R&B, and pop all in one song. That is just fucking amazing. I mean, did you hear the drummer in that? The, the double the double clutch and the bass pedals and the whole nine years. Oh, yeah. It's just holy hell. I mean, oh, I was sitting there listening to the drums. I was like. He's They're relentless. Pedaling. He's double pedaling. It's going on. It's going on. And he doesn't stop. No. Oh, so incredible. So incredible. That's a throwaway but, song on that album. That's but, what I said, man. Take out all the hits. Listen to the rest of the album. It's still solid. It's amazing. But with that, uh, but with that, Prince wrote a 
ton of songs that he never produced himself. At, 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 just as a quick side note, before you get into this real quick, this album was one of the few times that he ever really collaborated with his bandmates. There were some Wendy and Lisa riffs and lyrics. There was some, uh, like the whole band kind of did a little bit on a few of these different songs. It's, I think it's one of the few times ever that Prince didn't have absolute and total control. He actually wanted their input. And it that's and they're such talented people. That's probably why this thing was just so amazing. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up, but it pisses me off because yeah. that that should have been something that we discussed when we did the movie. Because it, dude, there a, was so much in the movie. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a it's a great point to to bring up i mean that throughout the movie wendy and lisa argued with prince the entire time and, and that was reflected in the movie which i find just amazing it, it it's it's totally amazing that that the entire movie is about the fact that he has a conflict with his band all the way through it he treats them like shit he basically says it's my way or the highway, and that's how he ran his business. So I think that, that that's an interesting fact. Yeah, Computer Blue, I, I, I forgive me, I can't remember the other songs, but Computer Blue was one of the ones that Wendy and Lisa helped on, and actually he drew inspiration from his dad's music from a couple riffs from his dad on Computer Blue. But yeah, Purple, Purple Rain but, was like a lot of Wendy and Lisa. But he hated Computer Blue. That was one of the interesting facts that I came up with. Yeah. He was not a fan of the song Computer Blue. Which is fine. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe it just reminded me too much of his old man. Who knows? Well. I was about to get into something about Prince that everyone knows. Everyone knows he wrote songs for other people. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have comprised a list of the songs that he's written for other people. And... Uh, I was going to ask Burke to actually guess some of the songs, but then I went through the list myself and I could guess two. <laughs> two. So I, I guess I should just start. Uh, I have 11 songs that he wrote. I'm going to start on number 11. And we'll see if Burke, as well as myself, knew that these were Prince songs. Well, let me let me let me take my guesses. Some of my guesses now. Um, All right. I know 
Manic Monday for the Bengals. Um, uh, do you count Sheena Easton with you got the look? Because it was a duet, technically. Um, oh, man. Okay. Now the, the rum is starting to kill brain cells off. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, let's go ahead. We'll roll with this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Are you Ray Burke? Yes. Number 11. How come you don't call me anymore? Can you guess the artist that actually sang it? No. Man, I almost want to say it's something like, uh, not Tears for Fears, but uh, uh, I know. Who, who sang that? Alicia Keys. Prince, oh, no shit. Prince wrote and recorded this ballad in 1982 as a B-side to his single, 1999. Oh, wow. But the track did not become a commercial success until Keys covered the song in 2002. Wow. That's impressive. Thank you. I told you I did some research. Good boy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's rare. But yeah, it happens. <laughs> Number 10. Love. Thy will be done. Oh, shit. I don't think I've even heard that song. Who the heck was that? Well, the artist that did it had a song that went kind of like this. Step by step, heart to heart. Martika? Yes. Martika? Martika. Prince co-wrote this single with Martika for her 1991 debut album. Oh, wow. The track went on to top pop charts in numerous top, countries. Did you just say top pop charts? Hang on. Top. I have a, I have a, a Jolly Rancher skirt up here. <laughs> Enunciation. <laughs> Top part charts. I have a blue raspberry Jolly oh, Rancher going th th those on. Those things are sour as hell, too. Uh, okay, I get it. I won't give you too much crap. Uh, okay. So, yes. Uh, the track went on the top pop charts in numerous countries i almost Very... said i almost said counties there's <laughs> <laughs> two or three counties here in texas and it was on the top of the park charts <laughs> how about that bourbon <laughs> all right sir next song Sh sugar walls oh that's another sheeny easton song isn't it Bam, Betty! Bam! Uh, Sheena Easton ditching his previous pseudonym, Christopher, for the new name, Alexander Nevermind. Now that's right. That was the, one of his pseudonyms. Yeah, shit, I forgot about the that. The disguised prince wrote this U.S. dance hit for Sheena Easton in 1984. 
Hang on. So, is she going to show up on the dating list also? You'll find out. I okay. Have... All right. All right. I, uh, I, I I'm waiting with anticipation. I had to take that damn Jolly Rancher out. Hmm. Of course, always swigging down. Oh, freaking bourbon's <laughs> gonna make you feel better. <laughs> Number eight. With this tear, do you know who the artist is? I don't know that I've ever heard that song. With this tear, Prince wrote the 1992 song as a gift to Celine Dion. Oh, no. Sh oh, damn. Celine Dion, who put the present backed by her stunning voice on a self-titled album. Wow. That's that's pretty that's damn impressive. Now, I'm going to say the next one and I know you'll know the band, but you <laughs> probably don't know the uh the the extent of this, this Okay. Group. Fair enough. The, the song is Jungle Love. Morris Day and the Time, which we already knew Morris Day and, and then we're way back in the day. The rifle band in Purple Rain is actually playing plenty of Prince songs. The kid wrote many songs for the Minneapolis-based band, who were also close friends and collaborators with the artist. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize this, but Morris Day as well as a bunch from the time, including Jordan, uh, helped write a lot of Prince's songs. Bless you. I do apologize. <laughs> because I could not hit the space bar. <laughs> uh, anyways. And, uh, and, and, and Morris Day's sister was playing for Prince at one point in time. Yeah, it, it's it's all so yeah, they, they, interconnected and entwined. It, it, you lose track of who's and who's. Yeah. Well, they're, they're interconnected because of the whole Minneapolis thing. And and this is an era of, of funk and R&B that is never going to, to happen again. Uh, Prince was around since the 70s. The Morris Day and the Time started in the 70s. They all collaborated all the way through the 80s. And it's just, it's a time of R&B that's never going to be able to be re recreated. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Number six, The Glamorous Life. Can you name the artist? Uh, was that Sheila E? Correct. Ah, oh, to pull that one out of my backside. Uh, like Manic Monday, Prince first wrote this song for Apollonia Six. 
the creation was eventually given to the singer and percussionist Sheila E., who transformed the song into a top dance hit. Now, yes, real sir? quickly, on Purple Rain, in the song, uh, oh God, uh, Spend the Night Together, uh, Take Me With You, that was not Apollonia singing. That was actually Wendy. No, excuse me. That was Lisa singing the parts that Apollonia right. supposedly was singing. So anyway, go ahead. Correct. And originally, it was supposed to be Vanity. And they had a breakup and she bowed out. There were some scenes filmed with Vanity, but they broke up and it was kind of ugly there for a second. And then they got Apollonia in there. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, where was that? Oh, number five. Mm -hmm. I feel for you. Oh, that's Chaka Khan. Chaka Mad. There's a. Whole... <laughs> <laughs> so sorry for those of you who don't know. There was another Kevin Smith bit at the very, very beginning of that whole bit about him going and filming this. Where he was talking to Prince, and he, and Prince said something to the effect of "Chuck a mad," and Tim was like "Chuck a mad." <laughs> All right, so I'm going to add on to this, and I know I've said this story before, but I'm going to do it again. I lit Shaka Khan, ooh, about six times. Nice. Now the first time that I did it, it was for the Dallas Urban League here in Dallas, who I think is... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Your battery is running low. Uh-oh. Guys, I got about seven minutes left. Oh, crap! So, uh, I did the show. Uh, I signed up for it, all that. I get to the venue. I set up all the lighting. It's Freaking incredible. Her production manager comes up to me five minutes before the show and says, you can't use any yellow. I went, okay. You can't use any red. I said, okay. You can't use any green. I said, whoa, hang on. <laughs> he named off another color, and I looked at him and said, you do realize that my lighting rig is red, blue, green, amber, purple, orange, and white. And you've taken away... Three-fifths. Almost all the colors that yeah. I have. <laughs> he was like, that's... Uh, that, that. I was like, was that on the rider? He said, no. I said, okay. So I did the same thing with him that I did with the jazz musician and turned on blue. <laughs> so Shaka Khan was lit in blue. Blue. It's like seven... <laughs> what color you got for me seven seven 
Uh, Which, by the way, uh, I just blew up my microphone. I can hear in my ears. <laughs> I seven is one of the very later Prince songs that kind of blows my mind. It's very reminiscent. Seven in the Fall, specifically, is the name of the song. Very reminiscent, almost of the Fifth Element and the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, you're losing power. Yeah, dude. Here's the thing. I'm gonna stop this right now because uh, it's not gonna last long. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. All right, we can pick this up tomorrow. All right, I will call you tomorrow, and we will finish. Oh, crap. He crashed. I actually like this song a lot. I love this song. The way they used it in the movie, it was absolutely brilliant. Oh, it was good stuff. They get so crunchy at the end. Oh, yeah.
her facial expressions in the movie through this whole scene. <laughs> well, I mean, she's sitting there with Morris Day. And the, and the and, club owner. And the club owner is like, uh-oh. What's it gonna be, babe? Great song. The 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 cut the guitar run down in the background is just it's like bordering on the Hendrix style. It's just so good. Oh my gosh! I, I, I yeah, just absolutely incredible. Now this is another great song, but I'm I'm going to play this in the background <laughs> as we notice. I, I picked the two songs about women. Oh, you should have picked International Lover for this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me uh, bring up my... There she is. Come on down here. All right. Um, there is a website, and I will actually plug them because I absolutely love this website. I use it a lot on our show. It's called Ranker. Oh. Ranker.com, and you can find lists of just about anything on this <laughs> on this site. So I went, and I was like, man, I want to know who Prince dated, because I know a, a couple of them. A couple. <laughs> I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but in one of the Kevin Smith interviews, he said, there's a few things in Prince's life, but the first one is women. The second one is music. Those were his priorities. <laughs> and he wrote, he's got a thousand plus songs sitting in a vault somewhere that will never <laughs> did the math. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So I'm going to start on this list here. I have no clue uh, where they, where they, or how they did this list. Or they found out or ranked them or whatever. Yeah, I, it's, I'm just going to start at the top. So the first, 
The first person they list is Misty Copeland. Why do I know that name? With the obvious chemistry between Prince and ballerina Misty Copeland, many have speculated that the two had been romantically involved, which they had. <laughs> Check out what Prince did to his amazing house whenever he hosted one of oh uh, never mind that anyway she's 39 years old birthplace kansas city missouri she is a ballet dancer she is five foot one so she's as tall as prince <laughs> next on the list age 50 from sharonville ohio A fitness professional, a model, an author, actor, voice actor, went to Walnut Hills High School, School for Creative and Performing Arts. It is Carmen Electra. Who hasn't she dated? Mm. Moving on to the next, age 68, birthplace, Athens, Georgia, fashion model, film producer, actor, and singer. Can you guess who it is? You've uh, mentioned her before. Uh, Susanna Hoff? I am Batman. Oh, Kim Basinger, that's right. Kim Basinger. Basinger, sorry. Yeah, he, he, the only reason he wrote music for that movie is because he wanted to meet her. Exactly. And then they ended up dating. <laughs> All right. Age 63, Los Angeles, California, guitarist, actor, and singer. That sounds and like Susanna. You are correct. Susanna Hoffs. Uh, rumor had it that Prince gave the song Manic Monday to the group because he wanted to date Susanna Hoffs. And who didn't? Uh, she's still, she at 63, she's smoking hot still. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, age 57, birthplace, Detroit, Michigan. Profession, actress. Uh, Susanna Melvoin. No, let me give you some of her credits. Oh, okay. Rude Awakening of Mice and Men, Wild at Heart, and Twin Peaks. No. No. Sherilyn Fenn. Huh. Okay. Have, do you know who she is? I feel like I should. Here. Oh, okay. Got it. I recognize her. Ah, there we go. All right. Uh, so, yeah, she briefly dated uh, Prince in the 1990s, I think. It, no, dated Prince in the 1980s. There you go. Next, 63 years old from Belshill. Scotland, record producer, songwriter, designer, actress, and a voice actor. Credits include Indecent Proposal, For Your Eyes Only, hmm. Euro Trip, 
all dogs go to heaven too. Uh, that would be Shane Easton. Absolutely correct. He dated her in 1985. <clears throat> Next, there is no information on this person. All it says is birthplace, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. She is a singer and an artist. Is that Susanna? Nope. Bria Valenti. Huh. Okay. Who was uh, uh, Prince's protege, and it was an on-again, off-again relation. Whenever he broke up with someone, he went back to Bria. Oh, okay. She was born oh. Brenda Fuentes. Yes. Uh, age 45. Birthplace, Toronto, Canada. Went to York University. Um, actually a person that Prince was married to. There's only two of them. There was Mate Garcia was the first. And I don't remember the second one. I apologize. The second one, was he was married to her from 2001 to 2006. Her name is Manuela Testolini. 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 All right. Age 49. Born in Los Angeles, California. Activist, talk show host, VJ, model, and an actress. Graduated from Howard University. She's five foot seven. She's been in Color of the Cross, The Insider, America's Next Producer, Dash for Cash, and Teen Summit. Any guess? Not a clue. Ananda Lewis. Ananda. Ananda Lewis. She had a brief fling with Prince in 2001. Oh my gosh, this list is just so freaking long. Uh, Age 48, Fort Rucker, Alabama. Musician, choreographer, actor, singer, and dancer. Uh, could be vanity. That could be uh, got a number of them. Madonna, for that matter. Mati Garcia. Ah, there we go. Who uh, they had a child with that passed I, away after one week. Yes. Yes, she. Uh, oh wait, she was married to Prince for four years. Yeah. There you go. They met backstage in Barcelona when she was 16, and he hired her as a backup singer and dancer when she graduated from high school. Uh, They began a romantic relationship when she was 19 and he was 34. Tied the knot three years later on Valentine's Day, 1996. Uh, Their son was named Amir Nelson, but he died suffering uh, Pfeiffer syndrome, a very rare genetic disorder. Uh, characterized with premature fusion of certain bones in the skull, which affects the shape of the head and the face. Yeah, he never tragic. He never commented on on that whole thing. Um, but they split up in two thousand. Mm. You know, uh, there's there there we go. They they are on the list. I was I was starting to get worried because I hadn't seen Apollonia or uh, 
All right. Uh, next person, 47 years old, born in Washington, D.C. She is a film score composer, a musician, a model, actress, and singer. She was in The Matrix Reloaded, Crash, The Matrix Revolution, The Polar Express, and Ali. Wow. That, I, that one I don't know. This one will blow your mind. It is Nona Gay. Marvin Gaye's daughter. Nona Gay has said that she had her heart broken by Prince in the mid-1990s. She was born September 4th, 1974, as an American singer, former fashion model, and actress. The daughter of singer Marvin Gaye and granddaughter of jazz musician Slim Galliard. Uh, she began her began her career as a vocalist in the early 1990s, and then became an actress later on, and starred in The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. She's she's extremely cute, but she looks like her dad. I mean, if I was having sex with that, I'd be like Marvin, Marvin, <laughs> give it to me, Marvin. Because she was 18 when she was dating Prince. Wow. Yeah. Uh, age 48, London, UK, model, actress, and singer, graduate from Sylvia Young Theatre School. No guess? Nope. Her name is Anna Fantastic. <laughs> Anna Fantastic was Prince's live-in girlfriend in the early 1990s. Anna Garcia, professionally known as Anna Fantastic, <laughs> a name given to her by Prince himself, is an English <laughs> actor, singer, and model. Already then. I'm really starting to hate Prince. <laughs> Age 57, New York City, screenwriter, author, actor, film director, credits, John Q., Love Don't Cost a Thing, BAPS, Weekend at Bernie's 2, and Eddie. Not a clue. Troy Bayer. Oh, here you go. Let me let me help you out here, my friend. Uh, Troy Bear was rumored to have a fling with Prince in 1992. It's cute. All right. Age 51, born in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> she's a model. She's an actress. Five foot six. Credits include... Host of BattleBots, Life Without Dick, Head Over Heels, The Love Boat, The Next Wave, Man of the Year. That one I do not know either. She was married to Vince Neal of Motley Crue. Ew. <laughs> Heidi Mark is her name. Heidi Mark huh. briefly dated Prince in 1991. She was born in 1971. 
<clears throat> she is of Finnish descent. Her father was born in Helsinki, Finland. She worked at her father's law office and Hooters. She was a Playboy playmate. I was just going to say, I just looked her up like, oh, he, she was in Playboy too. Already yes. then. Uh, she was Playboy Playmate of the Month for July 1995. Prior to being a Playmate, she appeared on the cover of the April 1994 issue of the magazine. And she was also in an episode of Married with Children. Nice. Yes. Uh, as I said, uh, in April, or wait, uh, Mark was married to Vince Neal of Motley Crue on May 28, 2000, and filed for divorce August 2001. Very, very <laughs> tumultuous. Uh, yeah. Apparently, she was not a natural blonde. Okay. <laughs> she actually was. She's Finnish. Uh, 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 you look at the pictures and you tell me. <laughs> I, I don't know i married a finn and trust me <laughs> the the head is blonde but everything else is all right on that note <laughs> age 62 birthplace usa florida clear water oh we've got ducks outside do you have to go feed the ducks? No, I already fed the ducks. I, oh, okay. I put a bunch of corn out before we started. Duck chow? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Model, actor, or actress. I don't know. Uh, actor. Yeah. Dancer. She came from Juilliard. Oh, wow. Uh, any guess? Uh, no. Tatiana Thompson? Probably would have guessed that one wrong. Uh, wow. Um, Maslene? Mas, oh, that's Canadian. Uh, the way you make me Thumbs feel. and... Huh. Okay. Um, thumbs and... Oh, yeah. She, oh, that girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She did a lot of work with Michael Jackson, so... She was a dancer. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Next. Uh, Prince's backup dancer and choreographer in the late 1980s. That's all I have on this chick. Really? Her, her name yeah. is Cat Glover. Hmm. Okay. I know nothing about her. Nothing else. I mean, they have nothing else listed. Cat Glover, Glover, Glover. Wikipedia. Talk to me about Cat. At mainstream television, alongside her dance partner Patrick Allen and the duo simply known as Pat and Cat on the show Star Search, hosted by Ed McMahon, their act was the first ever to achieve a perfect score of four stars on the show. Uh, her best known was for her work with Prince. She choreographed and appeared in several of his videos and concert films, Sign of the Times, traveled with him as background, backing vocalist and dancer of, on the Sign of the Times tour and the Love Sexy tour, wrapped on both Black, the Black album uh, on the track Cindy C and Love Sexy song Alphabet Street. 
Yes. Cat Scat Move appears in the music video. You got the look. She was supposed to have released an album on Paisley Park, but the project was canceled. Okay. Once again, even the background people are freaking more talented than anybody yeah. I know. No shit. All right. Next up, 58 years old, Los Angeles, California, songwriter and an actress. Apollonia. Susanna Melvoin. That's uh, Wendy's sister, I think. Uh, And here's some interesting facts about this. It is commonly believed that Prince wrote the song Nothing Compares to You about Susanna. Oh, wow. She was born uh, January 26, 1964, is an American vocalist and songwriter, best known for her association with Prince in the mid-1980s. Coming from a musical family, Melvoin is the twin sister of musician Wendy Melvoin, sister of Jonathan Melvoin, former touring keyboardist with the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> Holy cow, that's a very... Because Wendy was with uh, Prince and the Revolution. Right. And Jonathan was part of the Smashing Pumpkins. That's awesome. Uh, and daughter of jazz pianist Michael Melvoin who was in Prince's dad's band I think we were talking about that last night yes yes Uh, and wow Andre Simone was it Andre he was a was he a Melvoin no 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 no. I think it's something else but anyway yeah no Um, yeah like it's hard it's hard to tell players without a without a 58 years old and still gorgeous. Uh, okay, next up. Age 62, born in Santa Monica, California. Model, designer, talent manager, actor, and singer. She oh. her, her movie credits include Purple Rain, Heartbreaker, Streets of Fire, Ministry of Vengeance, The Mystic Warrior. It's got to be the gal that was the 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 waitress who was in the uh, 1999 album videos, but I don't know her name. Are, are you sure? No. Apollonia Catero. Oh, Apollonia. Sorry. A little too obvious there. I know Apollonia and Vanity are in here somewhere. So, Age 63, born in Niagara Falls, Canada, where I had about 472 girlfriends from. Mm-hmm. Didn't we all? Um, pinup girl, painter, singer, songwriter, model, actress. Credits include The Last Dragon, Action Jackson, uh, 52 Pickup, and Tanya's Island. Alrighty then. Is that a bad run? No, no, no that's that's the next person that you're supposed to. Oh, sorry. Say, I'm sorry. <laughs> she's age 63 born in okay. Niagara Falls okay. actress was in The Last Dragon Ashton Jackson 52 Pickup and Tanya's Island oh god I can't remember the actress's name I I, uh, I give up on that one Vanity oh that's Vanity okay <laughs> Prince had an intense and tumultuous relationship with Vanity from 1982 to 1983 uh, 
She was born Denise Katrina Matthews, January 4th, 1959, and died February 15th, 2016. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I totally forgot that she had died. Uh, she died at age 57 due to renal failure. Ooh, that's yeah. bad. You can't shit. That's a bad thing, man. Mm. That is, is that, not... is that that's peeing, isn't it? No, I thought renal was uh, unable to shit. It might be. It, well, that would have... Wouldn't that... That's the kidneys sense? lose their filtering ability. Yeah, it's, you can't right. pee, You can't filter oh. anything. You, you die from your own toxins. How's... Oh. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on from that. <laughs> Age fifty eight, birthplace Minneapolis, Minnesota. Musician, actress, and singer. Credits: Purple Rain. Suzanne Moonzy. How did you know? Because <laughs> that's all she's ever done. <laughs> No, sorry, that's Suzanne. Susan, Susan Moonsey. Yeah, you're, you're cheating again. I know you are. Uh, age 64, Oakland, California. Musician, singer, songwriter, actress, drummer. That's gotta be that's gotta be Sheila. Sheila E. Uh, in her memoirs, Sheila E. discusses her 1980s relationship with Prince, saying that at one point they were actually engaged. Uh, I'll bet that man was engaged a few times. Well, he was married twice. We know that he was engaged to Apollonia. We know that he was engaged to Vanity. Right. There's probably a couple more in there somewhere. I I am sure that this gentleman was engaged quite a bit. Um, And ladies and gentlemen, that concludes... Uh, the list I got here actually s- speaks of Madonna. They ne- okay. They briefly dated in '85. Ranker, Ranker does not have Madonna on here. And okay, from everything that I looked up, the whole Madonna thing was never proved. Okay. Uh, you talked about Kim and Carmen and yeah, Nona. Anything else on here? Second wife, Bria Valente. Yeah. 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 This one actually says Sinead O'Connor. Once again, I, that may be just a. Okay. I skipped over that one on this list mainly because it said that it was questionable. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I, I, I'm almost to the point with Sinead O'Connor to think that I, I kind of think she's gay. Um, yeah, maybe she's never, somewhere on the spectrum. Who knows? Yeah, we've, we've never seen her date a man. Uh, and, and, and she hated the Pope enough to rip up a picture of him. So uh, I'm still <laughs> Catholic. <laughs> All right, I, I love that. I actually muted my phone, and it is still making fucking noise. 
Uh, how? I, I thought that was your cat, honestly. <laughs> how? Uh, how? How? Yes, the mute button is not actually a mute button. <laughs> that damn thing away. <laughs> oh, all right. Um. So, what do you think of our Prince? It was it was a lot and still not enough. I mean, we could we have uh, we we have we have just now done an hour and a half. We oh, have geez. we have over two hours from yesterday. Oh, good lord! And we haven't even scratched the surface of this guy. So, uh, what do you think? What okay? Here's a personal question. I, I have. I'm going to ask the personal question. <laughs> what was your favorite song that he did? Man, we were just talking about this yesterday, and it's like asking your favorite Beatles song because there's there's so many different. I don't want to say genres, but there's so many different sections of his music that were, you know, he had the kind of dance funk when he started. He got into some religious music. He got into so many different things. It That's just a tough one. Uh, like I said, you almost want to take out Purple Rain. Yeah. And judge everything else. So I'm going to take out Purple Rain. Okay. It would... <laughs> this is going to sound stupid. I think the song International Lover summed up Prince's like that that kind of encompasses his whole attitude on life <laughs> right there. I <laughs> I could see that. Um <laughs> like it, it had a little of everything in there. That it's it's a it's a great little song. I love I, that song. I am seriously torn on this question uh i would die for you is one of my favorites mm -hmm. that he's done yeah it, it's, but, it's it's the energy is kick-ass on that song but and then, little red corvette phenomenal song is is probably still my favorite and and i am doing the same thing that you did I am taking Purple Rain out of the equation because that's more of an anthem. Yeah, that that, that that's the whole thing right there. You know, just yeah, that's, take that that's, one out. That's base the, everything off. <laughs> that is the entire pinnacle boodle yeah. of, of his career. And and you can't I just I mean, like like I said yesterday, it it's like doing it's like putting Tchaikovsky's 1812 overture Beethoven's fifth and purple rain and trying to rate them <laughs> because they're all pinnacles in in their own yeah. way in their uh, it was the it was the best orchestration he's ever done and nothing, nothing, everything was so tight I mean yeah. the, the the throwaway background riffs 
are, are hard as hell for some people to even attempt to play. But, uh, it's just, yeah, it's some amazing stuff. Now, have you ever, did you ever see the, uh, and I forget what, what it was a live show. It was uh, uh, something about the Beatles. Um, and they had, oh, Jeff Lynn from ELO was on stage. Um, just a whole mess of people. But they played the song While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And they brought out Prince for the guitar solo. You're Have you kidding. ever seen? Oh, I haven't dude. seen it. Oh, dude, <laughs> search for that, bring it up and just watch his guitar solo. Yeah, you got to remember that originally that Beatles song, that guitar solo was done by Eric Clapton. Right. And I honestly like Prince's version better. Can't believe I'm saying that about Clapton. But yeah, I, I yeah, and, and and the fact that supposedly Prince had never heard the song before and like learned it a couple hours before the show, and then just knocked it out of the park. Holy cow! Um, hang on, I'm 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 looking for the interview that was done with. Uh, this kind of goes along with with the whole Purple Rain thing. Uh, I, I watched an interview with the revolution and it, it talks about, I mean, we're, we're talking about how tight Prince was. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, he was a perfectionist, uh, when it comes to, to the music that he did, but during the the whole purple rain thing it was very interesting to watch the revolution talk about their experience i mean they these guys at first didn't even know what the project was yeah and then and then the weirdest thing was they actually got input into some of the goings on which was very unlike prince and that was like the first and last time that he ever let people can con, con, contribute contribute uh, yeah what well, yeah yeah they, they he actually uh, the the way it's written into the movie is the way that it actually happened. It happened yeah which was very odd he never let anyone collaborate with him especially his band his band his band members were hired they were hired guns. That was it. That was it. They were hired to play instruments. He is the one that takes care of the arrangements. And it was just, it was a very interesting interview. I'm going to find it. I know. I'm gonna well, if you, if you want to do that, if you want to share my screen, I've got the concert of this uh, Prince, Tom Petty, Steve Winwood, Jeff Lynn, and others. While my guitar gently weeps, if you want to take you a peek can, at you it. can you can share, sir. No sound. Can you hear it now? No. Hmm. What do I need to do? You need to close it back out, and when you hit the share at the bottom left of 
your page. Share sound. Aha. Hold on, please. Right about there. Holy crap. <laughs> I was so excited. I hate the wrong button. Oh my god! All <laughs> right, that that is he's got his musical choices on solos are just mind-boggling. Just like where where did he come up with that? Well, why did he do? Oh wow, shit, that works! It's just it's just mind-boggling to watch him. His guitar mastery was so underrated. Yeah, because he did everything. I mean, he did he was producing his songs he was singing his songs he was dancing in his songs he was doing everything and, and, and this guy was on par with the the best in the world ever 
uh, just yeah, mind boggling. He was frantically telling us we were making history. Frantically, mm -hmm. we're making history tonight. This is history tonight. Mm -hmm. Purple Rain, when the idea of the movie came from him, when he talked about doing this and when a whole bunch of strangers started showing up at our warehouse, we all realized this is going so, this is, we didn't, this is not just chat. This is happening. And we were like, uh, uh, uh. So it felt like, it almost felt, I don't know, it felt, scary and i was ambivalent at first about like what is happening here and where is he and why is he not at, at rehearsal right now and it was but it felt like it wasn't a mistake it didn't feel like it was a fool's paradise at all it really felt like oh it's a sure this is a sure thing because he hired these individuals who are we came to the picture sort of like with singular personalities and sort of self-possessed in our own lives that translated to each one of our personalities with an instrument bobby was always the gentleman and put together and that reflected in his absolute pocket meat and potatoes four on the floor drumming sturdy lisa ethereal person sort of walks on air whispers when she talks her music sounds that way matt he's he is like a doctor he's got a bit jerkiness and, he's like, <laughs> and he can play his keyboard and get from the left side of the 88 keys all the way to the right side faster than any human being and he's like a he's a hummingbird and this one is the sexy gorgeous just like all-encompassing curious flirt and that's how his bass sounds so <clears throat> that dish that became song. purple rain from this group of cooks with our master chef <laughs> he never doubted it right did everybody else around him sure everybody what are we <laughs> doing why are we Doing ballet lessons. This is a rock and roll. I movie. enjoyed the James Bond workout. He was, of course, he did. He, was, of course he, he did. The, the, the he took it serious. The dance Matt instructor had the, yes, had the. Of course what, he would. What's that? You, you were a very good ballet dancer. You well, were so your pirouette your was. Your pirouette. Oh, I, I was doing some Broadway dance routines with the the choreographer oh, just to kind of <laughs> learn it. You know, and it was a lot of fun. I, I'd go he in there and jazz. he was teacher's pet. Yeah, I, the, I was. The rest of the time was. I embraced the dance. But you have to imagine the drummer from the time jelly bean johnson he's like six foot four and he wears it like a stove mm -hmm. top hat right wearing his big old trench coat doing pirouettes across the floor <laughs> it was like what yeah. are we doing like a grand jeté and his acting you know he that you know he created this character that we'd see dailies you know so he, he was convincing us to be better and better and better he had people on the tour to back up on our 1999 tour he had people observing us on the bus all of a sudden mm -hmm. there were strangers on the bus like getting jokes and learning our personality and you know it was like a big brother kind of a shadowing thing and uh it, all this data and information was being gathered about us to create characters mm -hmm. we had acting class we had ballet class we had, you know and prince participated in these classes with us and it was fun mm -hmm. it was you know he got us to relax yeah. or you know because your facial facial features everything he it was really 
he prepared for Purple Rain in a way that he never did any other album because he had to, because the film slowed him down and that mm -hmm. created time for him to reflect. On most albums, he was done in a second, you know, three weeks done, you know, and but Purple Rain had to stew for about six months. And so it created, he really had to think about it. He could replace tracks. He came up with the beautiful ones at the last minute. There was. There was things that happened that made it what it is today, and it was forced patience on him. Yeah, uh, for sure. One thing a lot of people don't realize about him is uh, he lived and breathed what he did. When I first joined the band, that my first assignment before I even picked up a guitar was in his living room, looking at myself in the mirror eight hours a day. <laughs> and he would tell me how to stand. He's like, "Oh, put your foot, pivot your foot that way." You know? Okay, now turn your cheek to and do this. Get your shoulder up, bend your shoulder back. You know, and I felt like, you know, I was like, oh. Um, but that's how he trained me, you know. And then I got, it got to a point where I would be out at a club somewhere and I'd be standing, you know, I'd have this pose and people would come up to me, Mark, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Are you standing like that? And I didn't even know I was doing it. See, he would condition you like that. The more you rehearse, the more you don't think about it the less you think about it, and then the more fun you have. And that was the key to the revolution. We didn't think about it. He would throw up these cues, you know, and we knew every marker, we knew every cue, and we would hit it, just bam, bam. We knew right where to hit. We didn't think about it. We'd dance, spin, <laughs> split, jumping off risers. You we... did most of that. <laughs> I was terrible at that. The, that night at First Avenue was um, a foreshadowing for sure because there were at least three tracks that ended up being the you know the recorded versions for the album and you i mean it was my first show mm -hmm. it was my first show with the band best advice i've ever gotten that i share with other musicians when they're starting he said to me when i get nervous and you hear the beat and you hear the rhythm and you hear how fast we're going cut your body in half time so if you're feeling one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, uh, 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 if you're nervous, you're going to be pushing the beat, right? He said, go halftime, one, three. And it's like a, it's a meditation. You slow your breathing down and you don't rush <clears throat> and you stay behind the beat. And that's where funk lies. And that was the best advice he ever gave me. That's how far ahead he was in the game. You know, Purple Rain. He's already miles yeah, ahead of all of us. Miles ahead. Yeah. As far as the storyline in Purple Rain about Lisa and I and whether or not, you know, you never listened to our music, did you? And you never, you know, that was never the case. No, he, he wanted to hear. To yeah. Everything yeah, Lisa and I like did. Play me everything you're doing. Everything. <laughs> yeah, what did you do? What was Whatever that? What was that? Yeah. What are you doing? I How dreamed you wrote a song. Exactly. Play it for me. You know, it's just. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. When Darling Nikki was a big talking point did the I don't think he paid attention to whether or not Tipper Gore thought his lyrics were salacious no. or wrong for kids she helped him sell a lot of exactly records. I don't think he thought much about it um I think later in life his relationship to and this, this is only my intuition but I, I think he he just grew away from t wanting to explore that side of himself and didn't sing about it anymore so I, I mean I don't necessarily mm -hmm. think that he thought Darling Nikki was a bad song. As a matter of fact, I think he loved it. Loved it. 
What was that whole, is the water warm enough? What does that mean? <laughs> Are you gay? <laughs> That's what it meant. Do you want to get in the bathtub with me, Lisa? Or are we lovers? I think that, you know. Princess. I didn't just even the... I didn't know it then. Did you know it? I mean, here, here say this. Yeah, was, will you say this? Okay. He was nervous when he asked. <laughs> he, there was he always like, be, are they gay? Are they idea. not? Mm, so, and he was he was working that angle. Another fantasy episode going on in his brain that he he got the public sucked in, you know, sexual suggestive lyrics were part of his early core to, you know, yeah. he, he, to the end, so. Wendy, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Mark, Sorry. is the water warm enough? <laughs> no, Sorry. I need it hotter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you pass the shampoo? <laughs> <laughs> <Well, lucky. laughs> oh, my God. Um. What a great group of people, and oh, I mean, yeah. they loved working with Prince. Uh, did did we talk about the fact that Darling Nikki is the actual reason for the the what, the the stuff on the albums today? The the explicit lyrics that that was yes. Uh, we did not discuss that. <laughs> I think I had it in my notes, I and mean, I must have skipped over it. That yeah. is the song. Al I got Gore, the explicit lyrics on all albums from here to eternity. Al Gore was, he was the congressman when this happened, I think. I think so. And and Tipper was big into her, her and, stuff. And she was big into education and kids and stuff like that. And the, this song, when that album came out, she was on top of, the, uh, apparently... Her child played the song for her mother. No, she. I think she walked past the room. The kid who, and I think the kid was like 13. Something like that. His daughter was like 13 listening to this song. And she's like, blah, 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 blah. You know, and yeah. <laughs> I, I could just hear, I could just hear Kyle's mom from South Park. Going, <laughs> going, blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, Tipper Gore had an aneurysm. Uh, <laughs> she had her Karen uh, moment and... over the lyrics to to Darling Nikki, which if you listen to the lyrics, that may not be something that you want your 13 year old um, to listen to. But he, honestly, he... your 13 year old is hearing worse at school at school from her friends. The Parents Music Resource Center, the PMRC, the list of the filthy 15 songs that they found most objectionable with Princess Darling Nikki topping the list. Top the list. What was the <laughs> Love for Sale by Cole Porter? What? Well, hold on. This cannot be the uh, that, that I know. Remember, it was the nineties. Well, eighties. Mosh by Eminem. That can't be right. Okay, I don't know what the hell list I'm looking at, but Louis Louis by the Kingsman is up. What? Hold on. What was the top fifteen dirty? Oh, we gotta find that out. Hold on. Oh, yeah, that, that <laughs> investigation under <laughs> <laughs> filthy. 
15 list. Uh, 11 more rows. Oh, here we go. All right, number 15 was Sheba by Cindy Lauper. I get it. It's it's a song about masturbation. Yes. Uh, Venom's song Possessed was about the occult. Okay. Yes. Uh, Mary Jane Girls in My House. Okay. Black Sabbath Trash, drug, drug and alcohol use. Merciful Fate into the Coven. I bet. Okay. Def Leopard High and Dry. Wasp Animal. Madonna Dress You Up. Okay. Wait, Def Leopard's High and Dry? It was about drug and alcohol use, apparently. Madonna's Dress You Up. Oh, Twisted Sisters, We're Not Gonna Take It. And I loved when he was at those Senate hearings because he was so eloquent. And like he's he's dressed, he's got his like mile high blonde afro and and his his leather jacket with the and he walks into the freaking congress and he, he is he speaks so eloquently it's hilarious um acdc let me put my love into you yeah okay motley cruz bastard which one's that one high and dry oh okay yeah Vanity song "Strap On Robbie Baby." <laughs> well, oh, okay. If if you've ever listened to that song, it is about a dildo. <laughs> Judas Priest, "Eat Me Alive." Sheena Easton, "Sugar Walls" was number two. Well, it kind of makes sense. Prince wrote it. I know, right? And then, yeah, "Darling Nikki," the very top of the list. I mean, okay, so far I'm listening to High and Dry. They talk about whiskey, wine. Yeah, drug and alcohol use is the, the biggest reason. Yep, that's it. Of which I think Tipper Gore has partaked quite a few times with. Yeah, I don't see it. I figured Judas Priest Turbo Lover might be in there. <laughs> um, oh, God, they had Frank Zappa at that hearing. There, Did they? there is an eloquently spoken man right there. I'll bet he tore them a new one and they <laughs> didn't even know it. Yeah. Um, wow. Folk rock musician Don, John Denver referred to the proposed labels as censorship, stated he strongly opposed the censorship of any kind in our society. Um, as with the case of Rocky Mountain High, he further compared the PMRC proposals to Nazi book burnings. Wow. <laughs> John, my man. <laughs> yeah, there it is. D. Snyder. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that Snyder felt his music had been misrepresent, misrepresented. He defended his Twisted Sister song under the blade. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, that's good stuff there, man. <laughs> when John Denver tells you you're a dick, you're probably a dick. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> come on. We, we, all lo- we all love us some, some John Denver. 
Uh, that's the drunken boat song right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, do not tell me that one of my favorite bands from my childhood, Def Leppard, is on the Filthy 15. Is on the Filthy 15. I mean, for what they did backstage, they should have been on the Filthy 15. <laughs> There's there's a couple of bands that I've worked for in the past um, that that I would not work for again because of the drug use that there was drug and alcohol you know just it just they were bands that I did not feel I I could survive with. And Motley mm. Crue and Def Leppard are two of them. And I'm sure that Def Leppard has tamed their, their themselves, but back in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, they, they, were, they were on the way to killing themselves. Yeah. There was nothing good there. Now, Prince, who we've been talking about, found a way to kill himself. Uh... And nobody knew that he was there. Well, it's kind of like Michael Jackson. Nobody knew that Michael Jackson was a drug addict. Well, you're talking about prescription drugs legitimately prescribed to individuals. It's not like they're going onto the streets scoring some shit. It's, and, and the stuff they were on is as bad as anything on the streets. It's just pure but i mean you get you know the prince uh, had jumped off of so many 18 foot high speakers in his life in high heels i mean the guy was going to be in pain the rest of his life i i get why he was on painkillers but yeah i just i yeah i'm i don't know i'm uh I'm always very, I've been against drugs all my life. Having, having a brother who's a drug addict, um, drugs bother me. Uh, I don't like to put people that are drug addicts up on a pedestal. No. Uh, um, I think these doctors, well, uh, the doctor for Michael Jackson ended up in prison. So thank God. Thank God for that. That's that's uh, uh how do you know there wasn't more than one doctor prescribing him the same medication though? I mean, let's face it, when you got that much power, that much money, that many people doing stuff for you, you could have four or five doctors on hand all doing the same thing. Uh, who knows? Well, well, the Michael Jackson thing, we know that he injected Michael with the lethal dose. We know that. All right. Prince, we don't know about. Oh, okay, wait, wait. Who's to say that the doctor injected him with the correct dosage? He wasn't already on more than another doctor prescribed. Yeah, we, don't we don't know. know that. We don't know that. We'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, yeah. uh, the fact is, is that I, I you got to stop these doctors. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, I don't know. I don't have any answer. Just like I don't have an answer for this Texas thing that's going on. No. I, 
more I'm dead a, today too. They're up to twenty two now. Yeah, uh, I'm a smart guy, but apparently I'm just not smart enough to figure out the problems of the world. Um, I don't know. I miss Prince. I, I yeah. I, I would have loved. I would have loved to have seen what more he could have done. I, I would have loved to have seen what more John Lennon could have done. Um, I mean, just thinking about a collaboration between Prince and Eric Clapton excites oh, me. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's they, he was brilliant with the music that he chose, that the the way he wrote it. You know, Tipper Gore can be upset with Darling Nikki all she wants. Fucker. The fact is, is that <laughs> it's a brilliantly written song. I, and at that point in time, at that point in time in the 80s, didn't that kind of convey what we were going through? I mean, we were going through a, a, a new renaissance as far as as far as sex goes, as far as relationships, you know, drugs were so prevalent. We were trying to figure out how to make it through a time when AIDS was beginning. And yeah, it, it was, it was a different time back then, a very different time. Now, you, you think coronavirus was bad, people. You should have been there when AIDS started. I lost a bunch of friends due to that. Anyways, I love Prince. I think he is probably the top rock musician in the past 40 years. Uh, yeah, Elvis is up there. Elvis is up there, but Elvis was more than 40 years ago now. Yeah. He died in what, the 70s? I think Elvis died in the 70s. I think it was like fifth or sixth grade, so we're talking like 78 maybe or something like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think Prince is really the top. I mean, I love Eric Clapton. I love... Name another rock musician who, who really ticks the boxes uh, when your first three albums is just you playing every single instrument and every single vocal like name me anybody else whose debut album uh, maybe maybe trent reznor maybe and he's another one of those guys that is just such a maniacal control freak and once it, it like he has got to get the sound exactly the way he hears it in his head. And that was Prince before Trent Reznor was on the scene. I'm, t I'm telling you, I, I, Prince, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, Elton John, all these guys were pioneers in the rock industry with different instruments. Mm -hmm. I mean, Elton John was a piano. Bruce Springsteen was a guitar, but really Bruce Springsteen was a was voice. A voice, yeah. His his thing were his lyrics. Prince did everything. He played drums. He played guitar. He played bass. Keyboards. Everything. 
I I don't think you could get any better. Mm-mm. Anyways, that is about it for the show. I think. Yeah, I think anything I think else on your mind? I, you know, I, I, I wanted to mention the one song, uh, Seven, just because. It was, and it was way down the line, but it's such a song that like the sound and the emotions are evocative of like, like the fifth element almost. And, uh, yeah, I don't know it, it that the, or the Beatles. Uh, Bert's got this fascination with the number seven. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, it that's true too. <laughs> My default answer to everything. I don't know. Seven. What what color is that on the uh, seven? Seven, seven. Uh, well, all right. Hey, guess what, people? We're gonna wrap next, it up next week. Next week, you get Batman. Well, well, let's do spies like us first, in case we don't see the Batman all the way through. So, you get Batman and spies like us, which I already started watching, like a good little boy. Uh, so, so I'll cut this. Do you want my digital download? Oh, hell yeah. There. That takes done. your... Done and done. Batman will happen. Ooh-wee. I'm, I'm I get to I'm watch a... it in high def. Oh, I'm excited now. I might have to cut all that out because that's the illegal as shit, but I will... I, uh... I will buy that from you for the, pay, for the price of DVD. How's that? That'll make it legal. Uh, got you covered, my friend. I <laughs> I have you covered. Um, all right, take people. it take it out of the royalties we made from the you know for the next ten years of. Dude, <laughs> we're up to two dollars and thirty three cents we made last oh, snap last, last month. Now we've <laughs> gone up. I mean, we started at sixty. Sixty whole cents. I'm I'm. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to come. <laughs> Ballsies just needs to, uh, to that brewmate needs to like hook us up. I wish brewmate would, uh, cause I love their product, man. I will, I will talk up a storm about their stuff. That's no that, lie. That, that I mean, I, at this point in time, I think Yeti is going to come to us quicker than brewmate. Uh, um, hey, if, if so be it, man. I'll, I'll try their product. I don't care. <laughs> um, I like the Yeti. I do love the Yeti. Uh, as a matter of fact, look, look, look. <laughs> You're drinking out of it right now. Yes, I I even have it engraved in my uh, in my company's in my company's logo. Um. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we need to tell the people beforehand? Uh, Prince's can... favorite Prince's favorite meal was spaghetti and orange juice. That that's gross. That yeah, that's gross. I used to eat chocolate chips and orange juice on Saturday mornings watching cartoons, so it's not too far off. Ugh. All right, people. Um, <laughs> this show is long. So this is probably a two-dayer, uh, which means that you're going to get Batman a little bit later. And spies like us. Hang, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. 
You know what those things can do? Suck the paint off your house and give your family a permanent orange afro. <laughs> doctor, 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 doctor. I finally understand that reference. It's a brilliant movie. Did you watch it yet? I started it. It's I love that movie. I do. <laughs> that movie is my life. All right, people, we're out of here. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Happy Memorial Day, even though you guys will hear this long after Memorial Day. We taped it beforehand. Early in the morning. Enjoy it. On that note, take care. Take care.